for the past, present, and future of all animals. This is the Zookeeper's Voice with your host, Danny Jirasi. Hello, and welcome to the Zookeeper's Voice. I'm your host, Danny. Today on the Zookeeper's Voice, we have Kylie Reynolds, Deputy Director of Amazing Animals, located in Central Florida. Established in 2009 as a federal licensed 501c, Amazing Animals houses over 100 exotic rescued animals and reaches over 100,000 people annually, focusing on sanctuary, conservation, and education. Let's take a listen to our chat with Kylie Reynolds, Deputy Director of Amazing Animals. Today on the show, we have Kylie Reynolds, Deputy Director of Amazing Animals. Thanks so much for coming on the Zookeeper's Voice today, Kylie. Yeah, thanks for having me. So tell us a little about about Amazing Animals. So Amazing Animals, we are a nonprofit exotic animal rescue in Central Florida. Um, We've been started as a reptile rescue about 10 years ago. I definitely saw a big need for that here in Florida. It's so nice and warm out. People get a lot of things and let a lot of things go that shouldn't be. Um, So we started rescuing reptiles and doing outreach programs with them. And about five years ago, we got some property and decided to continue taking in animals. And now we have about 100 uh, animals on property and we do private tours and still do a lot of outreach programs as well. So good variety of animals now in my backyard. Wow. So can you tell our listeners, maybe give us a little virtual tour of what kind of animals we would see if we visited Amazing Animals? Yeah. So like I was saying, we have a little bit of everything. A lot of them were expats. We work with Florida Fish and Wildlife. We're also USDA licensed. Um, and we also work with other zoos and facilities too. So uh, started with a lot of reptiles. So, you know, Burmese pythons, savannah monitors, um, blue tongue skinks, bearded dragons, of course. And then uh, we also have some native birds of prey that were deemed non-releasable. So we have a screech owl, um, a barred owl, a red-shouldered hawk that were all non-releasable and in need of a home. We have uh, marmosets, bush babies, uh, lemurs, Joffrey's cats, a bobcat, foxes, skunks, quadamundi, capybaras, and then, of course, everyone loves the sloths. We also have kinkajous, birds, um, different variety of parrots, so barnyard animals as well, can't forget them. Uh, so a good variety of animals that we have on, uh, on property now that we've taken in over the years. Definitely an amazing variety, if you might say. <laughs> <laughs> so for those who work at Amazing Animals, what does a day look like um, starting from the moment you walk in and taking care of the animals? So yeah, it's uh, usually me doing uh, all the animal care each day. So I start bright and early in the morning, uh, feeding and cleaning, doing all the food prep each morning. Uh, Of course, got to start by just walking around and saying good morning to everyone, making sure everyone did good through the night. And uh, going around doing all the feeding and cleaning, that usually takes a few hours to do. And then we do private tours of the sanctuary or I'll be off-site doing programs. So we'll uh, usually be gone for a few hours each day doing that. And then get back and do any PM feeds for any of the animals and extra things. Uh, we like to do a lot of enrichment for them each day as well. Um, so it's usually a pretty good long day and spending a lot of time with the animals and educating people about them. Awesome. Now, one of the things that you mentioned was your outreach program. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your CTU program? 
Yeah, so we do a C to U program. It's called, so it's a touch tank. So we bring a lot of inverts. We bring uh, some sea stars, sea urchins, snails, uh, conch crabs, all sorts of things uh, that the kids can touch and be hands-on with. And we usually do a nice little 20-minute talk uh, to kind of talk about ocean conservation, ocean health, making sure that we're, you know, trying to reduce our plastic use. That's obviously a big thing, especially here in Florida. We're surrounded by oceans and beaches, and so we really try to teach the kids to take good care of things, and then they get to uh, come up to the tank and get hands-on with a lot of the animals. That way they can see them up close, and, you know, we have a lot of sea stars right off on the beaches, but people just don't realize the important role that they play. Um, so letting kids get that up-close experience, touching them, getting their hands wet in the salt water in the touch tank um, is a lot of fun. And uh, again, the conservation aspect of it is pretty huge. We're, we're big believers here that you don't get to and get inspired and enjoy things and want to protect things unless you get that up close experience. So we really like to provide that as well. Um, so it's a pretty fun program that we do. Uh, it's our CU program. Yeah. Wonderful. Now conservation is um, a big part of what you, you said, what you guys do. What is the message that you like people to walk away with after they visited amazing animals when it comes to conservation? Well, you know, we talk about that in all our tours and all of our programs. It's, it's a lot of um, things that we're not doing right and that we need to do better. So we, we try to kind of bring awareness to deforestation and pollution and all those things. And it can kind of get a little disheartening at first when you talk about it. But then we try to give them ways that they can help, like recycling. You know, the three R's, we always say that reduce, reuse, recycle. Um, and I always give examples of, you know, bringing your re- reusable water bottles, uh, going to the grocery store with your reusable bags, reusable straws. Uh, we even have a little gift shop on property, so we sell, you know, the reef safe sunscreen, uh, the bamboo toothbrushes, the reusable water bottles, and try to make it uh, a good message that, you know, there's still things that we can do to help. And if we do those things, we will all make a big difference, um, which we really need to right now. So we hope that people kind of leave inspired getting to meet animals and wanting to protect them and help their environments and do better uh, just as a human race. We, there's so many things that we can be doing that will make a difference. And I think people just don't realize that. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that I have seen just from following you guys on social media, watching videos that you guys have participated in is that we can be um, smarter consumers, kind of like you were just talking about. Now, if somebody's listening and they're like, I would like to start to be a smarter consumer, where would you recommend that they begin? You know, I like to say just kind of look, uh, you know, plastics are, are a big deal right now. So realizing what plastics you're using and things that you can maybe use instead of that to be a good consumer, you know, instead of plastic bags, like I said, they're reusable bags. It's so easy. And I just tell people, sometimes it's hard for us to remember. So I say, just pick one thing and try to work on it. Try to make sure that you're not using all those plastic bags. And then you kind of get that, pick another thing, like add, uh, you know, say no to plastic straws and continue with that. And then also just looking at the products that you're buying. Um, Palm oil is a big thing. So try to just look at your products and go, oh, you know, this has palm oil and I'm going to look at some off brands that maybe don't use the palm oil. Um, And so I I know it's a lot to think of all at once. So I try to tell people pick one or two things to really get good at. And then once you're good at those, add another couple of things to try to just be a better consumer and not being so wasteful in the products that we do use. 
Um, and once you start to like think about those things, it kind of comes more like, oh yeah, then I can do, you know, get reusable or uh, sorry, not reusable, the shampoo and conditioner bars. I like to use those instead of the shampoo and conditioner bottles. And so just you start thinking about all these other things that you can do to help and it kind of will make itself become easier for you to do as well. Absolutely. Now, um, for our listeners who are listening and hear you mentioning palm oil and are not really sure what that sometimes comes in, can you tell them a little bit about where that's usually found and why it affects um, the environment it comes from so much? Yeah, palm oil can be used in pretty much anything that uses oil. Um, and it's being very detrimental to the ecosystems, especially over in Asia. You're hearing a lot of orangutans. Uh, a lot of that habitat is being destroyed to get palm oils and to plant palm oil fields. Um, so I know that there is a palm oil app that you can get that actually helps you kind of figure out there are sustainable palm oils you can use. And then I always like to give the example of peanut butter, right? I love peanut butter. And I used to get just peanut butter. And I noticed that they were using palm oil. So I kind of went and got the off-brand that didn't have palm oil in it. Um, and I was like, okay, this one makes me feel a little bit better. It still tastes great. And then, you know, I kind of was watching the label still. And just peanut butter switched to not using palm oil. Um, so, of course, I went and bought that because I want to support them for being more eco-friendly. And as consumers, what you buy does make a difference because they noticed, you know, I'm sure a decrease in their sales because they were using palm oil. It has become a big deal. And so they switched to be a little bit more sustainable. Um, so I like to give that as like an example that as a consumer, what you buy does make a difference. So just looking at your labels and trying to get those things and there's apps you can use to help you if you aren't sure. Um, and it, all those little things add up to making a difference. Right. And one thing that I used to hear a lot was people would say, oh, well, it's just like one one straw. It's one plastic bag. It's one this. Yep. But if a million people say that, that's, that's a big difference. It's such a big difference. So that's yeah. definitely an awesome message. And I think that we all need that reminder because we get so you know, busy in our everyday lives. All those little things make such a big difference. Right. I know. And I'll, I'll sometimes catch myself doing it like you walk by and you see like a plastic bag and you're like oh my gosh I have my hands full I'm so busy but here's this plastic bag on the ground and you know sometimes we do we're just like whatever I'll just get that later somebody else will grab it and you, know, you really got to switch out of that mentality like no I need to make the difference I need to help out like I'll just go put this stuff down and go grab it real quick and um, so I think we can all catch ourselves doing it and I don't know about you guys, but if I do it, I'm like, oh, I feel so guilty. I need to go back and get that bag. I, I can't believe I just walked by it like that. <laughs> I'm definitely like that. And even I'm trying in little ways. I actually just got a my first reusable straw. So I'm trying to get nice. used to that and going out somewhere, making sure that I say, and no straw, please. <laughs> I know it's hard catching yourself. I'll, I'll go through the drive through line and I'm like, no straw. I, can't, I don't need a straw. And they give me like the weirdest looks. And my family makes fun of me all the time for it. But you know what? They, I, I get Snapchat videos of if someone's using a plastic straw that they're telling on them because they're using one now. So, you know, I don't care that people want to make fun of me because now none of them use plastic straws. And they feel bad when they do. Absolutely. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's pretty funny. Well, I'm hoping to start to get used to that. So, but yeah, it's definitely something that we all need to be aware of in our lives. Um, so to circle back around to your amazing animals. Um, so 
one of the things I read about on your website is that you guys have volunteers to take care of every all of your animals there. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we have uh, a couple of good volunteers that are really awesome, uh, help us out a lot, especially the summertime. We've been so busy this summer. Um, in fact, we're so busy, we aren't even taking new volunteers right now because we're gone and doing all the programs and off-reach, you know, uh, summer camps. But the couple of volunteers that we have that have been with us for a while are a really, really vital role in helping us make sure our animals are taken care of each morning. So um, a lot of our animals, you know, I'm like I said, I'm the primary one here and I work with them every day and, you know, some of the primates can be unpredictable and some of the cats can be as well. So our volunteers, you know, a lot of people think it's just all playing with animals, but they really help us get a lot of cleaning done, making the property look nice, you know, pulling weeds, doing a lot of these little things that uh, for liability and, you know, safety issues, I can't have them going in with the animals as much, but we try to make it fun for them. And it's a lot of hosing down stuff and scrubbing bowls and cleaning the, all the water dishes and everything with us each morning and, cleaning the barnyard and uh, also having them have some fun enrichment time with the animals, making new things. It's always fun to have new people and new ideas when you're coming with enrichment. Cause you know, I know I can get complacent and, Oh, I can throw this box in with this or do this with that. So it's nice to have volunteers that help come up with new ideas and, um, we also have them help with some of our uh, fundraisers that we'll do. We have events that we do a couple times during the year so they can help us do meet and greets with the animals um, and kind of staff areas because uh, as our sanctuary is our backyard, it's private tours and you're not allowed to just walk around because all of our exhibits you can walk up to. So if we do event nights, it's nice to have volunteers that help with that too and kind of help keep everyone's fingers safe and the animals safe as well and giving good information about all of our animals that we have. Um, so it's really great to have volunteers that are able to help us do all of that. Definitely. It takes a, a lot of people to make sure that the animals are taken care of. So It sure does. Now, um, when it comes to enrichment, you guys have a wide variety of animals. Can you tell us a little bit about um, some of the more maybe unique or fun enrichments that you've done in the past with your animals? Ooh, I, lo- I love having fun with enrichments. Um Earlier this year, we took in a, a Quadamundi, and he loves different smells. And you could tell uh, with the past that he had, he didn't have many toys to play with to begin with. So it was kind of fun watching him. Like, I got all these spices. We have an Amazon wish list. So someone ordered us all the spices, and he loves sensory enrichment. So do the cats. So I'm always thinking of new ways and different places to put it and put things in. And he goes to town rubbing on it and rolling on it and tearing boxes up with spices on it. Um, and then, you know, with the heat that we've had here in Florida recently, we are doing a lot of the fun popsicles, the meatsicles for the animals, um, you know, freezing all the blood and the meat and letting them have fun with that. Um, so there's always, and, you know, we always make sure we're thinking, you know, the monkey's going to want something fun they can hang with or dangle on. Um, and actually there was a, an event we went to a little, uh, convention that had all these different you know fun animal things that new places were coming out with and I saw this little bio ball that was a moss ball big moss ball with holes in it and it was meant for a reptile unit for like geckos I looked at that and I was like oh my monkeys would love that little ball the little marmosets and sure enough I hung it up and they love jumping in and out looking through the hole so I try to think of different ways that products can be used and different things can be used uh, and it's always fun to make sure they have different fun things to play with each day and interact with. So our capybaras, we got a sprinkler, simple things like that. A little sprinkler spins all around. They have a ball playing in it. Um, so a lot of fun, different enrichment items that you can 
find it in the dog and cat section on Amazon. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. And enrichment is something that we love to talk about here because I think that for people who don't work with animals, they're surprised to learn about enrichment and how important it is to, um, you know, when you have animals in the care of man to be providing that, but how much fun it can also be for us, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and it's always funny because when we have kids that come around and I'll be like, don't you guys like to play with toys? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, so do animals. And that's what we call enrichment. We want to enrich their lives and switch it up each day. A lot of these animals are so smart that people just I think sometimes don't realize how interactive and, and intelligent these animals are. So they kind of get new fun things to play with each day to keep their, uh, you know, not only physically healthy with a good diet, but mentally healthy with new in, in objects. And I will say, you know, in Florida, all the storms we get can be fun. At, uh, our marmosets also like to catch some of the lizards. That's that's a good enrichment for them. too. <laughs> <laughs> so the wildlife sometimes helps with that, I guess, too. Yeah, um, definitely. They have fun. Well, living in Florida, what is something that you guys see in your state that you might not see in other places in the United States? What do you mean? Like animal-wise? Yeah, animal-wise. Maybe animals that, because you guys bring in different animals, correct? Yes, yeah. So we take in um, a lot of uh, exotic pets. Like I will say, you know, Florida with our climate, we have a lot of exotic pets uh, down here in Florida and probably one of our most unique calls that we got was for a kinkajou that was found in somebody's backyard. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. got that call a couple of years ago from Florida Fish and Wildlife and of course asked if, first of all, if it was ours. And they were like, no, ours is right here. And, uh, you know, they did a whole investigation. You do have to have permits to have a lot of these animals here, but uh, that does not sell or stop people from selling them without those permits or requiring those things from their buyers. So, unfortunately, you hear a lot of these stories, and it, it was crazy to get the call to, you know, somebody, sure enough, found a kinkajou in her backyard. She freaked out. She called animal control, said there was an aggressive monkey, which they're not monkeys, but uh, kind of have the look of it. And animal control picked him up and brought him over to us and uh, we watched him while they tried to investigate and nobody ever claimed him so we ended up keeping him uh, and he gets along well with our kinkajou we have so we definitely get some interesting calls with that and then also the native wildlife like our bobcat was a non-releasable bobcat that somebody actually found when she was a little baby out in the wild and we always try to touch on this too with our native wildlife is let things be wild still. You know, you don't need to interact with animals and feed them. Wild animals are just fine on their own. Well, somebody found this baby bobcat and thought she was all alone and took her in um, and raised her like a house cat, basically. So, oh, my goodness. Um, she ended up, yeah, she ended up imprinting, you know, after a few months. They were like, oh, what do, oh, we got a bobcat. Like, what are we supposed to do with this? And they tried to drop her off to a rehabber to see if she could be back out in the wild. And um, I call her my princess. Her name is Willow, but she is my princess because she doesn't want to eat things with fur feathers on it. She was hand fed and treated like a house cat. So she imprinted and does not have those, you know, vital things to be a wild bobcat. She didn't have her mom to teach her uh, those things and doesn't have a fear of people. So we get a, a good wide variety of animal calls like that here in Florida. Uh, so you, you never know what you're going to get a call for next. Yeah. Now, One of the things that I think about when I think about Florida, and I don't know if it's true, um, I used to hear that people were releasing snakes and because of Florida's climate, they were thriving. And then second, the gators. So tell me a little bit about those two. (laughs) 
Yeah, so you're probably thinking of Burmese pythons, which we do have three Burmese pythons uh, right now. Two of them were confiscated pets. You cannot have them as a pet anymore in Florida because of that. And one of them, Brian, actually did find uh, down in the Everglades last summer. She was a little baby crossing the road. Uh, we do have permits to have Burmese pythons for education purposes. And there's a lot of rules that the state has put into place for that. So we get inspected each year. They are all microchipped. You have to have them locked up. Obviously, they don't want them getting out because they are thriving in the Everglades. It's warm. It's swampy. There's a lot of food that they're eating. Um, and they're eating all of our native wildlife. Uh, anything from, you know, the little rodents and you know, rabbits, raccoons, endangered birds, and then things bigger like bobcats, deer, and alligator. Uh, they have been known to eat here in the Everglades. And uh, a big female Burmese python, they can get about 18 feet full grown, and a big female can lay about 100 eggs in one clutch. Wow. So they're reproducing and doing well, which is uh, kind of causing issues in the Everglades. So you're definitely hearing about that. Um, and that is a big one we talk about when we take our Burmese pythons out for programs. You know, they're very impressive snakes to learn about. Um, and also to teach people not to have that fear of snakes. We have a lot of native snakes that are great for our ecosystem. Um, and we kind of talk about this with alligators too. You know, alligators, this was their home first here in Florida. So uh, we like to respect our wildlife kind of, again, like I was saying with our bobcat is just let them do their thing. They do have a natural fear of people. They are found in just about any body of freshwater you come across. It has the potential to have an alligator in it. So they're out there. We have seen them in our pond in our backyard. They hang out for a couple of days and then move on. Uh, they don't want to be bothered by us. We don't want to bother them. And they can just do their things. But it uh, creates issues when people go out and start to feed wildlife again. And uh, We have an alligator, actually, Godzilla, who uh, someone thought it would be fun to catch him and keep him as a house pet. He's too used to people now to be a wild alligator. He would be considered a nuisance alligator. He would be approaching people looking for food. They are very smart animals. Once you feed them and interact with them, they lose that fear. And they're like, cool, people give us food. We're going to come up for a free meal, right? Well, obviously, alligators are an apex predator. They're a dangerous animal to have coming up thinking we have their next meal. So that's why it's so important for people to realize, you know, yes, they're out there. You don't have to freak out. You don't have to be afraid of them. Just let them do their thing. If you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. Uh, so, yeah, always always fun, crazy stories with people in Florida and, and all of our wild animals that we have. Yeah, I think it's fascinating just hearing that because living in Massachusetts and previously in Texas, um, Burmese pythons and gators would not be anything that I would ever think <laughs> to see outside. So it's fascinating that that's something that you guys have to you know, educate the public about and make sure that people understand these things. But it's so important that we don't feed those animals so that, like you said, yes. we don't create dangerous yes. situations. And, you know, I think that's why zoos are so important. And I say this in almost every tour now because I know zoos get kind of a bad rap about things, but people want to interact with things. They want to feed things. So getting to do it in a safe educational setting, you know, I let people meet our alligator up close. He's a really awesome alligator. We do it in a safe setting, and that way you can meet one up close. So if you see him in the wild, you've already met one, and you can leave those wild ones alone, hopefully, is kind of our thought process. So we know people want to interact with things. We know they have that need to feed. So uh, that's why we do really say zoos are so important to have around so that people can have that experience and hopefully learn and respect the wildlife a little bit more after that. Definitely. Now, another animal that I saw that we can interact with on your website 
uh, maybe not directly, but I think is pretty exciting. Can you tell us a little bit about sloth yoga? Sloth yoga. Yes, we uh, we team up with a local yoga studio, um, and we're trying to do this about twice a year now with them, and we do a sloth yoga day. So their yoga instructors come out, we let everyone set up their mats all around the animal exhibits, and we bring our sloth, uh, Luke. Uh, Lily's yet to come out, but she's pretty good too. But Luke is, is such a chill sloth. Um, now, we don't hold either of our sloths. Uh, we do all positive reinforcement, of course, and have them choose to participate. So Luke, we've built him a special perch that he can hang out outside of his exhibit. So during yoga, we'll uh, you know ask him if he wants to go onto his perch, which is usually a pretty fun uh, new place for him to hang out at. And we let everybody set up their yoga mats around him and do a whole hour-long yoga session with sloth yoga, the, you know, the cats around us, the capybaras, the monkeys, and people just get to hang out. And we'll have uh, some of our volunteers have some of the animals, like people love doing the tree pose, holding the snake. So it's, it's a pretty fun day. And we'll have, you know, food truck out and make it a really fun day uh, for people to come and hang out with our animals in a, in a different experience. That sounds wonderful. Now, for those who would like to come visit you guys or participate in sloth yoga, um, where could they find that information? Yeah, so we have our website. It's amazinganimalsinc.org. So all of that you can definitely find on our website. We also have uh, a Facebook page, Amazing Animals Inc., Instagram page, Amazing Animals Inc., and uh, also a Twitter. So we have a a good variety of outlets for social media. You can message us on pretty much any of those. Um, For our tours that we do, it is a private tour by appointment only. So we are not open to the public. um, And our, our tours are just your group. So we definitely recommend booking those out a couple weeks ahead of time because we have limited availability with that Um, and same with any outreach programs that we do as well we definitely recommend you know booking that ahead of time so we can have the time blocked out to come and travel with some of our animals that are good at traveling Um, and then for our special events like our yoga days we also have a a Christmas event that we do every December and then at the spring we also do a paint night Um, so all of that we post on our social media and on our website so it's fun uh, special events that people can you know sign up for to participate in as well. Awesome. Now, as we wrap up, is there anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, I guess, uh, you know, go check us out on social media. We love getting uh, good followings. We do have an Amazon wish list as well that we post about. Um, so, you know, all those enrichment items we talked about, and they have it on the Amazon wish list. You want to help us uh, by supporting our sanctuary, you know, check those things out. We also have a donate button uh, on our Facebook and our website. Um, we are a nonprofit uh, animal rescue, like we've said. So all of those things help us be able to do what we do, take in the animals that we have, provide them with um, really awesome homes and educational experiences for people to get to learn about them up close and personal. Um, and hopefully, you know, walk away with a, a really inspired, awesome understanding of our wildlife and protecting it. Uh, like we talked about the conservation, we think it's really important to inspire and teach people as well. So uh, we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our, our you know, followers and people who enjoy this like we do. Um, and so thank you guys for having us on uh, your, uh, your talk show tonight. Absolutely. And thank you so much for coming on the Zookeeper's Voice and sharing your amazing animals with us today. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having us. One unique thing about amazing animals that is a little bit different from other zoos and aquariums that I may have heard of is that we heard about them 
from our very favorite YouTubers. Oh, yes, the trackers. The trackers. We love the Tim trackers. Tim and Jen are fantastic people and put out fantastic content. And if you don't know who we're talking about and you guys are theme park fans or animal fans or anything that has to do with any sort of entertainment, really, in Florida or even California, go check out the Tim Tracker on YouTube. Yes. Um, we have been you know, talking about doing this podcast for a while. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we've also been doing for a while, <laughs> for years, is watching the trackers. Is watching the trackers. We love the trackers. And so Tim and Jen, if you're listening, we love you. Yes. <laughs> We'd love to meet you someday. We would love to meet you if we ever end up down in Florida <gasps> soon. Mm. <laughs> um, so, a cool thing about that is uh, we, you know keep up with the happenings during like different zoo things, different aquarium things. And we have been keeping up with the tracker, their YouTube channel for a while. And we saw amazing animals on their YouTube channel. Yes. And more recently we saw their, um, we saw one of their videos and I'm so excited that amazing animals decided to come on the zookeeper's voice. Cause Actually, that YouTube channel is where we heard about amazing animals. Yeah, that's uh, a pretty cool little thing that happened. You know, like you said, we love watching the trackers, and we saw somebody that piqued our interest on the trackers video. You reached out to them, and they were more than happy to come on with us, and it was super, super cool to see all that kind of work out. Yeah, absolutely. And I loved hearing about all the amazing, <laughs> no pun intended, amazing animals that they had <laughs> incorporated. <laughs> amazing animals that they had at their um, sanctuary. Yes, yes, for sure. The One thing that I'm really excited about is, as people probably don't know, we love going down to Orlando and checking out the Disney parks, Universal, SeaWorld, Discovery Cove. And I'm so excited to go down and see what they're doing over at Amazing Animals because they're spreading the word of conservation, they're educating people, and that's so important. No matter where you are, it's so important to learn about the animals in your own backyard, as well as so many other animals all around the world. And places like Amazing Animals are sparking and igniting the next generation uh, that inspiration to protect wildlife in all sorts of different wild places. And I think that's so important because, you know, you have the big companies, but it's all those little companies that people get to go and visit that also, you know, just bring that inspiration and it just really inspires people to be, you know, making sure that they are doing their part to take care of our world. It's really, it's really cool to see what Kylie and the Amazing Animals Incorporated are doing because they aren't a SeaWorld or a zoo. They don't have that kind of size, the that backing. kind of space, the backing, you know. And she was telling us about hundreds of animals that they've taken care of. And, you know, I think that's a really cool thing that they're doing. And, you know, we've talked to some, some people so far that are not big corporations that are doing amazing work. And doing the best they can right. with what they have. Exactly. So there's there's so many of those smaller companies. I don't want to say mon pa companies, but like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, the smaller, well, not corporate companies that are just doing such great work out there and people really should take note and, and support them. Right. And another thing that they're really, you know, pushing and making sure that people really try to put some effort behind, which 
it makes a big difference. Sure is, does. Is using like using reusable bags, using reusable straws, mm-hmm. doing all these things that really make an impact in, on the environment because so much trash goes into different landfills, into the oceans. And, you know, if people can go and see their amazing animals incorporated. <laughs> incorporated and do their best to try to make sure that those animals are protected, not just in our lifetime, but lifetimes after us, you know, it's going to make just a big impact. Everything that we all do together helps us protect the natural world that we all share. 100%. All right. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in today to The Zookeeper's Voice. Please make sure you rate and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your favorite podcast. And be sure to stay up to date with all the happenings here at The Zookeeper's Voice on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and thezookeepersvoice.com. For the past, present, and future of all animals, this has been The Zookeeper's Voice. We'll see you next time.